Hey there, believers. I wanted to invite you to check out BraxtonWV.org forward slash bump to see what West Virginia has to offer. Whether you're just passing through the mountain state or if you're looking for high strangeness and adventure, home of the Flatwoods Monster Sighting and the museum, there's plenty of fun to be had. There are links to get info on Braxy, Bigfoot, UFOs, and even ghost tours. If you want outdoor adventure, click the link to the lakes and rivers and camping. Or if you're looking for a nice, relaxing, unhaunted night's sleep, you don't have to stay at the Elk Hostel. Check in at the Elk River Hotel and Cafe, or even at the Days Inn and Suites. Whatever you're looking for, find it on BraxtonWV.org forward slash bump, that's B-U-M-P, and center yourself here. When he turned his back from shoulder to shoulder, it looked like as wide as the tailgate of a truck. And this darkness, literal darkness, just came like all over, just just all over me except where I was standing. This thing let out the most blood-curdling, mind-blowing, spine-tingling scream that you've ever heard in your life, and it cut through me like a knife. And I knew that they were going to take me. I just knew it. And then the next thing I can remember is being levitated. Well, when I look in there, uh, I see two big eyes staring back at me. Hello and welcome. You're listening to The Bump Podcast, a place for the believers of the unexplained, monsters, and paranormal. Join us, and we'll go face-to-face with what goes bump in the night. I got another fun and exciting episode for you. This week, we're bringing on Vicki Joy Anderson. She's an author of an up-and-coming book. It's gaining popularity real quick. It's called The Only Come Out at Night. And we're talking about the shadow people, sleep paralysis demons, all that kind of stuff. I, I didn't dig in too deep with Vicki when we were setting up the uh, the interview time and stuff. What I wanted to do was be surprised just like everyone else. I don't know if this was driven by personal experience or just a passion for the unexplained. But I'm super excited to hear what she has to say. Uh, Also, while I have you on here while we're waiting, I want to encourage you guys to use the bump phone, you know, the bump hotline, check it out. It's starting to pick up a little bit of speed too. Uh, We're getting the group chat going. Hopefully it'll keep growing. But uh, I want to say thank you to Rob again for uh, the, the communication we've had. Uh, to Merrill, to Andrew, and thank you to Andrew again for the Discord app. Uh, he's got the Discord server running. It's doing great. Uh, it was off my radar, man. I'll be honest. I didn't realize that many people would take advantage of it, but it, it's doing really good, and I want to thank you again for that. So get on Discord, Facebook, Instagram, get on TikTok. Um, I got a video on there that 
accidentally somehow went viral. I don't know. It's about the Yowie. Uh, I posted it over a year ago, and now it's got millions of views. Uh, I don't know what magic TikTok works with, but uh, whatever they're using, you know, I'm here for it. Let's grow the show. Let's get the uh, the word out. You know what I mean? All right. Also, use that bump phone. It's 304-812-0553. 304-812-0553. Text me. Leave me a voicemail. It's, uh, it's sitting right here beside me. Direct phone line. Uh, I may not be able to answer it often, but you can leave me a voicemail. If there's nothing you want to talk about, if you want to arrange some kind of interview or whatever we can do that there if you want to email me it's the bump podcast at gmail.com let's see what else if there's uh if you're an author you have a book you want me to review i've done that a lot or if there's a product you want me to help promote or if there's a, a sticker swap you want to do if you have your own business or your own show you know just swap decals we can do that if you want to send a letter or just something weird just no cursed objects you can Mail it to me, you know, the real mail, physical, tangible mail at P.O. Box 1453 Chapmanville, C-H-A-P-M-A-N-V-I-L-L-E, West Virginia, 25508. And just make that to the Bump Podcast, okay? It don't have to have my name on it. Uh, the show has its own P.O. Box now. <laughs> um, I need to go check it, actually. I, I check it, you know, every couple of weeks, but I, I know I got stuff down there waiting so I need to go down there and grab it. Um, yeah, let's go ahead and bring Vicky on the show and let's get this let's let's get this started. All right. Well, thank you so much for having me on. Uh, we're going to be chatting about sleep paralysis and probably a whole bunch of other things that uh, who knows who knows wherever the wind may take us here, but. Uh, thank you so much for having me on to talk about my book, They Only Come Out at Night, Exposing the Dark Weapon of Sleep Paralysis. And uh, uh, for your listeners uh, who might be uh, carousing around onto the dark confines of Amazon, the book <laughs> is not there. It's not you. It's not an algorithm. It, they haven't deleted me. I haven't been shadow banned. Uh, the book is only available on lamarzuli.net. LA great guy, uh, trailblazer in in this field. The reason why you and I can do the things that we're doing is because he was willing for decades to go before us and be really mocked and ostracized and sidelined and uh, really, you know, blaze that trail for us. And so I'm just so grateful to LA for giving me the opportunity to um, write this book under Spiral of Life, his publishing company. So shout out to my buddy LA and uh, everything, all the groundwork that he laid so that we're actually in an era now where we can talk openly as Christians about sleep paralysis. This taboo topic, this thing, I, you know, I thought it was just me, uh, but the more people that come out of the woodwork, the more people that hear me on podcasts and, and give me a shout out on my my Instagram or on my website and they reach out to me and say, can I talk to you? Uh, there are people out there who have never talked about this. They've never been able to share. They've never had an answer for these things. You can't talk about this in the church. Uh, the assumption is if this kind of stuff happens to you, you must 
be harboring some sort of secret sin. You must have done something to conjure or summon this. You're maybe not even a Christian at all because it, it's an extremely misunderstood phenomenon because we haven't been talking about it. And so I love the era that we are in. And I can't believe that we now have this platform uh, where Christians can get together and openly speak about these forbidden things, right? And so um, I don't know where you want to start or what direction you want to go in. Um, uh, I mean, we can start with the basics. I'm, I, I guess we can't even assume that everybody knows what sleep paralysis is. So um, let me know if you have kind of an idea of where you want to begin. Okay. Yeah, that's not a problem. And first, let me say that was a perfect introduction. <laughs> that was, <laughs> and you're right. I was just talking to my wife uh, yesterday about L.A. Morzuli. Mm. Um, she's not as far into all this as I am, you know. <laughs> she's, she's still normal. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she's still almost normal <laughs> kind of kind of ruined her to conspiracy but uh she she's not quite as fringe as i am mm. but i was like you know if it if it wasn't for ellie marzulli you know I, I told her you know at, at least a decade ago making these nephilim connections with yeah. you know what people call aliens and all this and that he he is a, a trailblazer so yeah huge shout out to that guy um, yeah. yeah, wherever you want to start at, I would like to know, uh, honestly, what made this the topic of interest for your book? Yeah. Um, uh, it was it personal experience. Is it just something that you, you felt led to, to discuss, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I have passion yeah. projects, you know, that I, I like to do. So I didn't know if it was something like that or if it's something that's born from experience. So if you want to start yeah. there and then we'll just go, I'm, I'm open. Awesome. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so I will, I'll tell you, first of all, a little bit of background. I wanted to be a writer since I was 10 years old. So this, you know, I want to write a book. I want my 15 minutes of fame. I want, you know, it, it was nothing like that. This was something that has been in the works for decades. I felt a calling on my life to be a writer. Now, when I was 10 years old, if you'd asked me, what are you going to write? Probably I thought, oh, I'll write, you know, novels and uh, fiction. And then, you know, as I got older and I developed more and more in my faith, I was raised in a Christian home, came to Christ. At, I don't even remember coming to Christ because my mom has a journal where she marked down, Vicki prayed to receive Jesus in her heart, uh, May 26th. 1975 uh, that would make me three years old so I don't have a memory of that <laughs> I just have a memory of my mom telling me that that's when it happened right so um when I was 10 years old writing was just this great escape for me mm -hmm. uh and um I had a fifth grade teacher uh during a parent-teacher conference tell my parents that I had a proclivity for creative writing and you know I was never like the teacher's favorite in any class you know I I wasn't athletic I wasn't musical I wasn't artistic I really didn't feel like I had anything to offer and meanwhile I'm getting a lot of negative at attention a lot of the attention that I got growing up from teachers was pity and sympathy and get well cards because I was the, the kid that was always in the hospital and I just didn't want to be the kid that the only thing 
that I was known for was being in the hospital all the time, right? So right. <laughs> so when I actually had a teacher recognize that I had some sort of gift, that was a profound changing moment in my life. And so at 10 years old, I'm like, I'm going to be a writer. But, um, you know, as I got older, I went to college, I got a degree in writing. It's all I ever wanted to do. Uh, but I kind of thought I'm, I'm a Christian mm -hmm. and I'm a woman. So what I got to write about, because it's really the only option for Christian women is you got to write your little devotionals and your um, self-help stuff and your, you know, cheer everybody up kind of feel good stuff. Right. And I, I knew the kind of stuff I wanted to write. And this is another reason why just I'm so grateful for for what L.A. Marzulli did to lay the groundwork before me is when I used to tell my mom uh, the kind of stuff I wanted to write, she said, you will never get published. And so, because I wanted to write all this crazy stuff and fringe stuff and, you know, I, I, I had a rough like high school. So like, I was a pretty tough cookie. I had a chip on my shoulder all the way through high school. I, I was pretty much ready to pick a fight with anybody or my, you know, so I was all into like the horror, the sci-fi, the metal, like anything to just prove to the world that, you know, basically back off, leave me alone. And so I, as I got deeper and deeper in my faith, and as I got out of high school and I got into college, I'm in a Christian, a very conservative Christian Bible college, getting a writing degree. And that is when I really decided I want to write about what these things really are. And, and thanks to L.A. Marzulli, Steve Quayle, Mike Heiser, RIP as of today, yes. um, the, uh, the Genesis 6, the, the linchpin, of all of scripture, all of the sudden, all of these horror movies I've been watching, all these Nightmare on Elm Streets, all of these, um, you know, monster movies, and the, all of it all of a sudden made sense, and scripture all of a sudden made sense. Yes. Oh, oh that's why thousands of, of women and children and animals are getting slaughtered for no apparent reason. And, and so it was just so eye-opening, and my mom's like, are you crazy? Like, no one's gonna <laughs> you know <laughs> my poor mom she like I mean she was a believer but she was just like you're just supposed to write beautiful poetry <laughs> you know? right talk about so, Ruth and Esther now come on what exa do you <laughs> exactly right so um oh gee I never in a million years thought I would write a book on sleep paralysis but what was happening in the background is Interestingly, that I prayed to receive Christ in 1975 at three years old, because around the same time, I started having sleep paralysis, oh, wow. and it persisted till I was 40 years old, and it was frequent. It wasn't just, you know, if I had a bad day at school or I was stressed out or I had SATs the next day. It was, it was a continual harassment. And one thing that I have to say, what's really amazing to me about the power and the presence of Christ and the Holy Spirit and all the promises he has to protect us and guide us. And I always think about that verse in Amazing Grace, like through many dangers, toils and snares, I have already come. And, you know, when you sing that growing up, you just think like, oh, the breakups and the heartaches and <laughs> the, the getting the tonsils out and all that you do not realize that pretty much from the moment you 
are conceived, those things are after us. Yes. And we don't even understand the dangers, snares, and toils that we're under. And so here I am, three years old. I'm a sitting duck. I don't know anything about this cosmic war, or the spiritual realm, or Ephesians 6, 12, or archons, or shadow people. And yet somehow, at around four years old, I started communicating to my parents, and just anybody out there with a four-year-old, think about how a child would describe something think how a child would explain sleep paralysis yes. and i just really feel like the spirit of god put a level of articulation into my four-year-old mouth to help me because what i would say to my parents isn't i had a bad dream it was a monster i wouldn't say things like that i would say I had another one of those dreams last night. So even at four years old, I knew something was different about these dreams. These weren't just nightmares. Right. And I would, I would say to my mom, I don't know if I'm awake or asleep because I can see my teddy bear and I'm wearing the same pajamas that I go to bed in every time. It's like the same, whatever I'm wearing to bed is what I'm wearing. And, mm. and, and then I don't think I probably had an idea back then about demons and fallen angels and Lucifer and all that. But I, I went to Sunday school, so I knew there was a devil. And so I think I would say things like, um, it feels like the devil. And cause I would say things like, they tell me that if I scream, no one will hear me. They tell me that you guys don't care about me. They tell me that I'm going to hell. Oh, wow. And so I, I was able to explain all that. And so I don't think my parents knew what it was and at the same time i'm going i'm having surgeries uh on you know I, I think i had 30 some surgeries by the time i was 15 so they probably just thought this poor kid is so stressed out and has all this kind of traumatic stuff going on and she's worried and anxious about these surgeries and of course you're going to have bad dreams right right but they but they did have enough knowledge to know that it probably was some sort of spiritual warfare even though they didn't use that phrase with me and so my mom would teach me little verses, you know, like, uh, have I not commanded you be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. The Lord, your God is with you wherever you may go. And so we would memorize that. And, and so then when I would, um, have these dreams, uh, I would, after the, the experience was over and I was laying in my bed too scared to move, too scared to open my eyes. I wasn't one of these kids that could jump out of bed and run to my mom and dad's room and say I had a bad dream. I was so petrified that when I would wake up, I would just lay there and I wouldn't move. I would barely be breathing. I'd have my eyes glued shut. I was scared to death to open my eyes because I didn't want to see anything. And so until I fell asleep, I would just be like, have I not commanded you be strong and courageous? Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. Lord, you, you know, and then as I got older, it was, it was memorizing Psalm 27, memorizing Psalm 91, um, memorizing the portions of Isaiah, no weapon formed against me will prosper. All those who rise up against me will stop. I will not fear what the devil brings me. I'm a servant of God. And, and so another thing that the spirit of God did as a three and a four-year-old, I instinctively knew when these dreams came to call out to Jesus. I couldn't do it out loud. I was too scared. But in this dream state, in this altered state of consciousness, in this astral space, whatever you want to call it, um, in in my mind, I was just saying, Jesus, help me, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And it would very quickly go away. But 
but the verses then kicked in because when you wake up you're in a trauma state you're you're terrified Imagine. you feel you you still feel the oppression in the air you still feel kind of that presence in the room and and so i would i would memorize these scriptures and what's really fascinating to me is i didn't realize until i was way older that i was first hand learning spiritual warfare as a three four five six year old now i didn't know what that was i thought it was bad dreams and and in fact the enemy had me convinced most of my life that i was a coward because when those things happened to me i was afraid and and i would i would be afraid to to open my eyes and i would be you know and so i interpreted it more in my own head well you're a coward uh you're because I, I now I hear people talk about their sleep paralysis experiences and especially men when they talk about it. A lot of men have more of an anger response than a fear response. And so they jump out of bed and they're like, and, 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 and I'm like, holy cow, I'm a coward. I'm a coward because I lay in bed like, oh, I'm so scared, right? And so the enemy had me convinced for decades that I was a coward. And that actually played into the physical realm where it's not like I wouldn't share my faith with coworkers and things like that. Like I wasn't a simpering, you know, wuss by any means, but there was all sorts of ministries that I now see God wanted me to be involved in um, stuff with uh, deliverance and spiritual warfare, yes. um, working with satanic ritual abuse survivors, the work I do with Tom Dunn with through the black. I couldn't do any of that until recently because I, I felt like if I am so scared during these sleep paralysis experiences that even when I can't even see anything, I'm so terrified I can't move. How in the world am I going to do a deliverance ministry? So he had me completely convinced that I was a coward and I was impotent and useless for the kingdom. Mm -hmm. And you, your writing gift is to write poetry, you know, for women who are sad. And, you know, and I, I believed that for a very long time. And one of the arguments that I make at the very end of my book and I'm really pleading with Christians and with people who have never experienced this firsthand. I'm pleading with pastors, biblical counselors, youth group leaders, parents, grandparents. Don't let the cognitive dissonance kick in the second you hear your child, your grandchild, someone in your youth group, someone in your parish talking about this. Don't start spewing stuff like, Let's get to the bottom of your unconfessed sin. Let's figure out what Ouija board you played with at a slumber party. And I'm not saying those things don't open doors. Of course they do. But right. until we realize that this is spiritual warfare, and in some cases, it is to groom children. In yes. some cases, it is to make future warriors completely impotent and not even want to get suited up and get on the field. There are other things going on. Uh, Satan has got better things to do than attack people that he's already got in his employ. Amen. And all you have to do is read about some of our favorite people in scripture. King uh, David experienced spiritual warfare. Was that because he wasn't really a Christian? You know, um, Daniel. Uh, the disciples, uh, we we see that God's people are under attack. I mean, look at Jesus himself. The Pharisees were after him. The right. the the government was on his shoulders. And it, it says that if they hated me, they'll hate you. So if the entire 
government was on the shoulders of Jesus Christ. And we decided to follow in his footsteps. When spiritual warfare happens to us, it's not helpful when we go to the church and say, I need backup. I need answers. I need explanations. I need something uh, a little less trivial than um, you've got narcolepsy or you played with a Ouija board. Like I need reinforcements. I need backup. I need help. I need this stuff explained to me. And if the only explanation out there is someone who's never experienced these things saying, well, you must not really be a Christian. Mm. We, we've got it. We're in a different era now. This isn't, this yeah. isn't the 1970s anymore. Uh, this isn't the 1980s. This is 2023. This is post COVID. This is, uh, and uh, we're in full disclosure now. I've never seen so many stories in the mainstream media about unidentified flying objects and UAPs it, like just this week with all the weather balloon stuff we are in a different era yes. the church has got to be equipped to start speaking in supernatural terms to each other we've got to wake up to the fact that we worship this massive invisible force of power and energy and emotion and strength and love we're in a cosmic war and if we keep trying to make everything this scrubbed up, leave it to beaver, uh, seminary approved explanation, we are going to lose this war. Yes. So. Yes. I'm I'm a hundred percent with you. You you're speaking my love language here about <laughs> this deliverance and stuff. Very similar. I didn't have. I've never in my life experienced sleep paralysis or anything near it. Mm -hmm. Um. But my fear as a child, my my dad's side of the family, you know, my last name's Kennedy. So my dad's side of the family, devout Catholic, right? Um, so demons are real. Uh, everything's a sin. Uh, <laughs> when, when I was like eight years old, my grandmother, uh, she's Italian and Hungarian. Uh, she was watching Ooh. a 2020 episode. It was like 88, 89, I don't know. But they would, they showed a live exorcism on TV, right? <laughs> yes. And I was just a little boy. And I remember being at my grandma's house. And I'm watching this woman on 2020, like, blow kisses at a priest and, like, lick at him and spit and laugh and speaking, like, Latin. I'm scared to death. And from from that moment on, the only thing in this world that I feared was demons. You know, I mm. I always believed in God. I I took, you know, I was born again when I was 20. You know, I, I I was raised Catholic, but then I went my own way and I found Jesus when I was 20. But uh, Amen. when my, my entire life, though, I was scared to death of demons. Mm. You know, that fear was put in me when I was just a little boy. Mm. And as I got older and here in just the last five years, especially things started opening up, you know, um, I started reading Gary Wayne, mm -hmm. Mike Heiser. Um, I just read Ryan Peterson's book. I love that book. Uh, that, mm -hmm. that judgment of the Nephilim. That was, that was a good yes. book. Yes. But you know, in this last five years or so, I thought, Oh my goodness. You know, that's what I'm supposed to be into. I'm, I need to get into the deliverance ministry. And that's, yeah. that's kind of where I'm at now. Um, 
I'm, I'm all in on that. And I'm trying to talk. Yeah. At, I go to a little community church. It's real tiny. Um, it's growing. But once a month, I go up there and I get to teach. So I try to talk about some of this stuff. I, I get into spiritual warfare. I break down Psalm 91. Um, mm -hmm. It's just a blessing to get to do that. But I I feel like I'm rambling. But my point is, I'm with you on this. Uh, mm -hmm. I think that they do. The, I think the adversary tries to stop us at a young age to to keep the army of God from raising up. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Keeping soldiers off the field, yeah. either completely incapacitating them uh, or just keeping them uh, balled up and drugged up in the triage tent. Right. Like they got yes. wounded on the battlefield. Yeah. So uh, they got pulled into the triage tent and given some nice pharmaceutical drugs that make them feel nice and happy. And they like they don't ever want to leave the triage tent. Right. And there's a point where we have to leave the safety of of the of the triage tent and get back out on the field and a lot of of people um they can experience a, a supernatural thing like this and be incapacitated i'll i'll tell one story that i've never told on the air before about my dad and i don't think that he'll mind um my, my saying this but uh he worked for almost 20 years in a missions pastor capacity in, in a mega church. And this was after retiring and working 30 years in the, the pharmaceutical industry um, or affiliated with the pharmaceutical industry. And um, he decided that, so he was gonna plant a church and he didn't know where. And so he decided that he was not going to plant a church until the spirit of God told him what city. And so he got up every morning and he got this massive world map that he hung up on the wall of his office. And he would get up and he would pray four hours every morning over the whole map. And he was praying through every country until the Holy Spirit said, like, that's the that's the country. And long story short, he did he did pick a, a country and they did plant a church there. And it's thriving in, um, I believe, that church, coincidentally, because this was 20 years ago um is in the ukraine i think if, if wow. i'm remembering correctly but anyway um after that church was planted my dad was in the in the living room one morning praying and he did not even see it but the a, a presence came into the room and even though he didn't see it anyone who's been through this you don't have to see it you right. know it's right. there you can you know exactly where in the room it is, <laughs> you know, you just know. And, and so he said that he was overcome with such a terror that, and, and the way that he, he dealt with it is he, he said out loud, um, I'm afraid I can, there's nothing I can do to control my physiological emotions right now, but I resolve with my mind. I do not fear. And it went away. And I'm sure he used the name of Jesus like that as well. But uh, it went away. But he was crippled in his prayer life for decades after that. Mm -hmm. It had a long-term effect. And this story isn't to make my dad look weak. It, it's, a, it's a warning to everyone out there, especially people now who are like, oh, this is, I'm going to, 
I'm going to jump on this, this bandwagon. There's a lot of attention and books to be sold. If, if I get out and talk fringe pop, you know, if I get out and I start talking about Nephilim and shadow people, like this is great. You better know because right. one right. encounter with one of these things, you don't even have to see one of these things manifest in front of you. If you're not armored up, if you're not called to this, one five minute encounter with just having one of these things show up and manipulate your your fear could incapacitate you it, it could it could work to destroy your faith it could destroy your prayer life it could destroy your intercessory ministry so i just don't want anyone to take this lightly uh and i want everyone to know kind of what i said earlier never in a million years did I think I was going to be writing a book on this. Uh, you know, th this was a step of faith for me because before all this, I was an extremely private, introverted person. Uh, I spent 18 years in, in school being stared at, looked at, bullied, teased because of the way that I looked. I didn't want to put myself out there and especially uh, this is one of those topics you're not going to please anyone on on either side of the aisle, oh, that's because true. because the the New Agers and and the occultists they they don't want their secrets exposed and they don't want to look foolish and they don't want to be told that they're wrong, but Christians really don't want to. A, a lot of Christians don't want to hear this. It's scary. Um, it, it's not taught in the churches. We don't have categories for them, and so. Uh, this isn't one of those things where it's like, hey, I want to be a writer and oh, yeah, I'm going to write about this. This is great. This will, you know, this will sell books. Uh, th this has been an extremely difficult journey. There has been a lot of spiritual warfare. And um, that's also been good, though, because you are strengthened through that. If, if that's where God has called you, right. then that is the safest place you can be. But yeah. if he hasn't yeah. called you there, um, I I'll say this. If, if he has not called you to do it and you go anyway. Or if he has called you to it and you refuse to go. Yes. The safest place you can be in the middle of a spiritual war is exactly where on the battlefield God has placed you. Wearing the uniform he has chosen for you with the number of stripes and the number of medals he's chosen for you. And so we just got to heed that. Um, so I just feel that it's important that everyone know that I never in a million years anticipated that I would be writing anything but biblical poetry and and devotionals for women. This was never my plan. Uh, but when you go through 47 years of sleep paralysis and spiritual warfare and you come to a place where the spirit of God reveals to you why that happened to you and what it is uh, and that, you know, maybe the gifts that have been given to me, you know, I, the, the weapons I've been given is, you know, a typewriter and, and, and an ability to articulate things. And so I, I recognize that this is what God was calling me to do. There's not a lot of people out there talking about sleep paralysis. There are not a lot of people out there talking about sleep paralysis from a biblical standpoint, right. Ex right. exposing who these things really are. And so um, I do believe that God is building his army we've all got different roles in that army 
uh, and the enemy is going to do everything possible to get that army whittled down to as small of a group as possible. And that's okay, because we know that an army of 300 can accomplish <laughs> what needs to be done. That's right. But, but I just want to, I want to encourage everybody out there that uh, spiritual warfare, this, this is becoming a trendy thing now. There's a lot of amazingly cool podcasts out there. And as we start reading things, uh, like as we do read Gary Wayne's book and Heiser's book and Peterson's books and Horn's books and Quayle's books, we get passionate and excited about it. And we want to get out there. We want to talk about it. And uh, we just have to know beforehand uh, that God has called us into, into this. And uh, we have to make sure we've gone through the boot camp uh, first. Uh, nobody is going to just get thrown out there on the field. And so just uh, just a word to the wise that this isn't just a, um, a a trendy bandwagon to just hop on lightly. Uh, the The enemy is not more powerful, obviously, than our, and than our king. You know, King Jesus is way more powerful. But he can also eat us alive if he gets us in the right place at the right time. Yeah. So we 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 don't have to fear him. Uh, be terrified and incapacitated, not that kind of fear, but there definitely needs to be a healthy understanding of what he's capable of doing if we are not armored up and we have not done the boot camp stuff first. Absolutely. I agree with that. Um, and I also agree with what you were talking about, obedience to God. Stay, you know, stay in your lane where where you you know God is talking to you. That's where you need to be. Yeah. Um, the the battles that get you here to uh, uh, the the platform of spiritual warfare, the battles in life that you go through are not pretty. Um, I'll tell you a little bit about stuff off air. Um, it involves other people, but um. I've, I've lost people in my family, not, you know, they didn't die. They were basically removed from my life. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, because yep. the devil, that's the thing that people don't understand. I, I'll say the devil, I'll use that term loosely. You know, I, I don't think necessarily that Satan himself has come down and picked me to fight with, you know what I mean? Sure. I don't mean that, but uh, yeah. the adversary, you know, mm -hmm. he knows every chink in your armor. Yes. They know your soft spots. You know, if, if it's, uh, if it's alcoholism, he'll go after you with that. If it's, uh, in my case, it was my child, you know, mm -hmm. I, that was my weakness. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. He knows where to get you. And yeah. kids are a lot easier to get to than adults. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know? Oh, yes. So, yes. But there, there has been a lot of battles. And when I, I, I for me, it was like a revelation of everything in my life makes sense now yes everything that i've had to go through you know yes. it's kind of like i'm not comparing yeah. myself to david by any means but you know when david fought goliath he was first prepared by what he had to face the bear and he had to face the lion and, you know, yes. and, and then he has his goliath moment so yes it, it felt a lot like that you know i'm like oh yeah. these things make sense and yeah. it's not it you said you never planned on on doing spiritual warfare 
I never wanted to. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I, I don't, I don't, that's not, that wasn't my thing. Even yeah. when I first started the show, you know, about three years ago, I thought, you know, somebody to start telling a demon story and my, my connection would crash and my speakers would have feedback or I'd pick up EVPs. I'm like, man, I was getting spooked out. Mm-hmm. And it's real. It's very, very yeah. real. You gotta be careful what you talk about. You got to be careful. Like, like you said, before we even started, you pray on things, you know? Yeah. I, yeah. I pray over this show every day. I've, I've made it an altar to God. You know, this ain't my show. I just steward it. Yes. Uh, so, so I know that we're protected in talking. Mm-hmm. It is a very serious thing, you know? Um, And I promise you, Vicky Joy, I will try to shut up. You just, I, I'm very, <laughs> I'm very passionate about this stuff. I, I love, I love that you're here. So yeah, I'll, I'll man. No, no. Um, I really want to point out too what what you said about the weakness and being the child. And um, I was on Derek Gilbert's A View from the Bunker a couple times. And the second time I was on, we talked very specifically. The whole show was about how sleep paralysis can specifically be a tool of grooming children and especially Christian children. You know, they're in their perfect little bubbles and they're being homeschooled and we don't have Netflix and we don't go to movies and uh, what's happening and what's being revealed to me as more people are, are contacting me and talking to me is children are having sleep paralysis experiences from the time the the people that have contacted me, they all said it happened between three and seven years old. Mm. Now, this is not coincidental to me because if you work with SRA and occult types of things, um, you'll know that when you want to split a child, you know, if you want to do the, uh, the mind control aspects and you want them to disassociate and create these altars, that trauma-based mind control has to occur three years old and eight years old are the key ages that you need to uh, inflict this torment so that they split. And so if enough psychological, physical, mental, and spiritual traumatic damages are done to a child before the age of three or by the age of eight, that is the, the sort of formula for getting them to disassociate or to split. And what is kind of coming out of the woodwork now with some of the SRA survivors that I've spoken to is that they no longer need to have a child in their possession to do these mind control uh, rituals and, and methods. It can be done in the astral realm. It can be done through these astral abductions that happen when we're asleep and we're in this altered state of consciousness and, uh, it, it can turn into lucid dreaming. It can turn into an out-of-body experience. It can turn into astral. For most people, you wake up, you have no recollection of what you dreamed. You don't remember. And for some people, they might have um, a memory of like a horrible bad dream. And they'll never understand that that was actually an astral uh, situation. It's very similar to the UFO abductee experiencer stories where they'll they'll know something happened because there's missing time or they'll have fragments of memories, but they'll think it's just dreams. Like they just dreamt about it. And it's the same thing. So when you have got your mitts on a child from three, four, five, six, seven years old, and you are 
harassing them nocturnally. Night after night, they're having these sleep paralysis experiences. Uh, many times they'll remember the tail end of it. They'll remember waking up and feeling a presence in the room. Uh, basically, their body is still manifesting all of the physiological uh, side effects of experiencing trauma. All of the adrenaline is rushing, but the memory isn't necessarily there. They're disassociating from the memory because it was traumatic. And so they might not remember the dream, right? Right. And right. I have talked to people where they were sexually groomed from three, four, five years old. These dreams were very sexual. They were introduced to things that they had no concept of as a child. They had early sexual awakenings. And as the sleep paralysis pers persisted through puberty. And so we've got that realm but then there's also the the children that are being groomed with you have got you're you know you're the chosen one you know you've got psychic abilities and and right. so they're being groomed for for like psychic and new age types of knowledge and information and then we've got the ones that are being groomed to be the um influencers you know if you look at a lot of the people that to this day in the 21st century are influencing the areas of science, medicine, literature, religion. They are 19th and 20th century people who astral projected and got their knowledge from ascended masters or gurus or spirit guides. They'll talk openly about it. So this can be the Alice Bailey's and the Helena Blavatsky's. It can be the H.P. Lovecraft's, uh, the Frank Baum, um, who wrote the Wizard of Oz series. Uh, uh, Galen, who goes back further, he was a second century, you know, super surgeon. Um, and there are still things in our medical practice today that go back to Galen, who admits that he found this information in the astral. Hmm. And so um, this this grooming process and what Derek and I were exploring is kind of to what you were saying. I, I always try to tell men, you know, if you're the head of your home. Whether, whether our culture accepts this or not, right. if, if in the spirit realm, if, if the order of God, if there's some sort of order to um, uh, the, the, the family structure, it, if a male, if, if a patriarch, you know, there's the bad P word we're not supposed to use anymore, right? So <laughs> right. It, if the patriarch of the home is, it, is off doing some stuff he's not supposed to be doing. And he's like, wow, I am totally getting away with this. You know, I'm not getting caught. My wife has no idea. Like, you know, and I'm not, just, I'm not talking about the obvious stuff. Like everyone automatically thinks pornography and it could be that, but it could be anything. Uh, it could be anything. And I think I, I really want men especially, but it can be a parent. It can be an authority figure in the home. It can be an older brother. If you're bringing sin into your home, Yes. Uh, if you are giving invitation to whatever's attaching to you, you're giving invitation. As soon as you cross the threshold of your home, that thing is being carried over the threshold with you. It's piggybacking into your home. And what I what I'm trying to get people to understand is don't use as the litmus test as to whether or not you're getting away with something that that nothing's happening because typically what will happen is once those entities get gain entrance into our home they don't necessarily attach to the most sinful person in the home 
they attach to the most vulnerable. Yes. They attach to the most defenseless. They attach to the three and four year olds who are trying to explain to mom and dad that they had one of those dreams again. And mom and dad are like, oh, okay, you know, quit eating pizza before you go to bed and we're handle that one. Right. Right. So uh, just think in scripture about how uh, if you if you want to gain control, what do you have to do first? Bind the strong man in the house, right? So you have to come in and you have to bind the strong man. And so the way the enemy does that is he binds that authority figure. Whoever's got the headship in the home, he'll bind that person in their own sin. He'll incapacitate them. And then that that entity will piggyback over the threshold through, you know, through the invitation of, of that that authority figure. And then the the entity has permission in that home. And it will find the most vulnerable. And, and in fact, I would even say that a lot of times uh, the reason why people get away with their sin for so long is the enemy is almost protecting them from being caught because oh, yeah. they need as, they need as much access. They need time to groom these children. And and so we have to. We have to understand as believers, you know, I think sometimes the enemy gets us caught in these fear and shame cycles, like the worst thing in the world. My life will fall apart if my pastor or my boss or my spouse finds out about X. And and then and then we build these lives around hiding this because the, the most the worst thing in the world we can possibly think of is if someone finds out that shameful secret. And I just want to remind everybody out there, the most merciful, loving thing God can do for you is expose that. Because as long as you're getting away with that, everyone else in your house is spiritually at risk for destruction. It's beautiful. That's good. That's good. That's, That's the confession. Repentance. Yeah, and repentance. Yes. Yes. It's breaking those strongholds. It's cutting the snares of the trapper, right? Yes. That's exactly what that is. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You know, everyone uses David as as the example. And if you like to twist scripture, there's people that use David as the example, like, hey, David committed adultery and he he murdered. He was forgiven and he was a man after God's own heart. And we can twist that like, hey, I can get away with my adulteries and murders too, because, you know, God will come back and put me in this exalted position of all of your descendants will be blessed. And I, you know, you'll always have a man upon the throne and you're the man after my own heart. So like, hey, cool. I've got these little freebies and grace covers it. But what I think was actually going on there is that when, when he was confronted by the prophet, I think, was it Nathaniel? I always get that mixed up, but. When he was confronted by the prophet, David had two main responses. Now, granted, there's gray areas in between, but he could have responded the way he did by repenting of the sin and and confessing. Or he could have said, hey, I'm the king of Israel and ordered Nathaniel's head to be chopped off and kept it covered up, right? And so I really think that that is the key there. It's not that grace covered it and God overlooked it. And there was no consequences to those sins in David's life because you read a little further, there was a lot of destruction in David's family. If you look at the way 
the, his wives and his kids went down and they went down hard. I mean, poor Tamar and the, oh, Absalom. And uh, there's a lot of that. That would be a, a classic dysfunctional family. You know, he was a warrior and, and he was a poet, but he, he didn't quite have the family man thing down. You know, there was a lot of right. consequences for, for what he did there. But I think that, that that confrontation with Nathaniel was really what was the, the hinge that was going to determine the future destiny of David. Uh, because Saul handled his sin much differently. He went in and he was going to fix it himself. I'm going to go and get a soothsayer and I'm going to talk to the prophet and I'm going to fix this. And uh, what would have happened if Saul had thrown himself um, on the ground and rent his clothing and, and said, "You will, to you alone have I sinned against and forgive me. And so I think that David is really an example of the, the, the way out of those sin and shame spirals, those merry-go-rounds of habitual sin that we get on. When, when the Holy Spirit comes and gives us that confrontation moment, like choose today whom you're going to serve, like this is it. And are you going to humble yourself? Are you going to tell your husband about this? Are you going to tell your wife about this? Are you, are you going to tell the pastoral staff about this? You know, uh, those are the moments of testing. And instead of looking at it like this is the moment where my whole entire life is going to be ruined and my reputation is going to be destroyed, uh, that could be the moment where you're exalted because humility and repentance is, is the, is, is the baby step into coming into a calling. And for believers out there, we don't want to live some mundane, forgettable life. Right. You know, we, we read about the, the, the whole of heroes and in, in, what is it? Hebrews with, men and women of whom the world was not worthy. I mean, isn't that what we all want? I mean, since we're in Sunday school and we, we hear the story about David or, or Joseph or Daniel or Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego or Esther. I mean, there is a, a sense of awe and adventure that is, is awakened in us in those moments when we first hear those stories. And deep down, even though we don't want, we don't want the war and we don't want the bloodshed and we don't want the, you know, the purple hearts, but ultimately, don't we all hope that at some point at the end of our life, it isn't that we're just getting fed a cup of ice cream in a nursing home bed? Like, don't we all want that moment where we had that one for such a time as this Esther or King David or Shadrach, Meshach moment where we stood up to the king of Babylon and we said, my God has the power to save me. through." But even if he does not. I will not bow to this. And we are all, every one of us, every Christian in the United States alive today in the 21st century, we are in that moment now. There is chaos all around us. Every single one of us is a moment away from our Esther and David moment that we've been praying for and waiting for and hoping that we are worthy of being used in that way. And we will not be given the opportunity to achieve that moment if we do not first repent. That's right. That's right. That's that's beautiful. That's you're right. Everybody's praying to be a light. We're in the moment. Um it it is now. It is. And you know what else repentance does? When we confess and we repent, that takes away the weapon. 
Yeah, it disarms the enemy. What what does he have? Got nothing. You know, all he has is whatever contract you sign in your sin to get what you wanted yeah. with him. Yeah, I, I've yep. tried to explain that to people before. I try to explain it to my students. You know, anytime you do something that you know you shouldn't do <laughs> in order to get what you want, you're literally making a deal with the devil. You're you're making deals with demons. Yes. You know, you don't have yes. to sign in them blood, you don't have to meet at a crossroad. You're being deceitful. Yep. In order for personal gain. Yep. Who's you making it work fruit. out for you? You know what I mean? Yeah. Yep. You, you, you took the fruit. When you repent of that, all that's left is, you know, that that fear is there, you know, that, that you might have yeah. that fear still over you that something could happen, but mm -hmm. the weapon is gone. Yes. You, you completely disarmed yep. the enemy. Yep, absolutely, absolutely, and and that's one of those things where there's no guarantee uh, that if all that gets exposed, that there won't be some fallout. Right, right. There, there might be some consequences, you know. And even Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, one of my favorite stories in the whole entire Bible. I I love the fact that you know we are always hear about faith. You got to have faith, you know. And the fact is, they had faith in God, mm -hmm. that faith was not that God was going to save them. They basically said, we've, we've made the bed we're going to lie in. Yep. If you throw, if you throw us in that furnace and it's the most painful, excruciating five, 10 minutes of our life, or I, I mean, they probably would have died instantly because of how high it was turned up, but um, they were prepared to die at that moment. Yeah. But 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 even if he doesn't, and I love the humanity in that, because, you know, for all of us who kind of want our Esther David moments, we feel like we have to achieve this level of of faith that none of us on a daily basis really feel like we've yet obtained. And so I love how Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego give us permission to say, I'm going to storm this castle. But if I die in battle, so, so you know, okay, that okay, cool. Yeah. That's one possible scenario. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah. I'm still going to storm the castle. That's it. <laughs> that realist moment, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, if you don't mind, you've touched on something, and I, I, I know we still haven't gotten to what exactly these sleep paralysis demons are, uh, are or these these shadow people, but. If you don't mind, and we can get to it at any point, I would like it if you would expand just a little bit on uh, SRA. I've never talked about it on the mm -hmm. show before. Um, mm -hmm. it, it's a topic that it it really just it, it honestly turns my stomach to think about. Mm -hmm. You know, I I can't stand mm -hmm. anything coming after after kids, and I know this isn't just kids. I know it happens to adults too, um, but it's. Mm -hmm. It hurts. I, I don't like. I don't like thinking about it. But there's probably a lot of people that listen to this show that don't have a full knowledge of what SRA is, um, and just like a Cliff Notes version, like are these people literal Luciferians, or are they just horrible people that even un, unwittingly are doing the devil's work mm -hmm. and, and shattering kids? You know, is yeah. it a is it an intentional ritual or is it something that works into a ritual? Uh, that those kind of things. If you don't mind, yeah, yep, absolutely. So th this is a dark uh, topic, 
And this is the kind of thing where when you talk about it, you have to be prepared for every other comment to be, oh, satanic panic. And, you know, I always tell people as a writer and as a poet, I always tell people, you can speak truth straight out of the Bible, but if the enemy comes up with a clever thing that rhymes, you're done. So <laughs> satanic panic, it's like, uh, you know, if the glove don't fit, you must have quit. And it's like, man, you can you can get away with murder if it rhymes. You can yep. get away with satanic ritual. As long as they have a clever little rhyme that makes you look yeah. like a fool it doesn't yeah. matter what you say so you satanic panic very clever yeah. uh but um so there there's different categories of satan worship and <clears throat> luciferians um satanists you know you've got the occult you've got dabblers you know you you've got anywhere from the teenagers wearing you know the cradle of filth t-shirts and going to rock concerts and burning buying black candles at the dollar tree and reading stuff on the internet you know who are really not going to do anything probably at all except maybe get themselves into trouble or into crime petty crime that puts them in prison or something right um the the satanic temple uh, they don't even like uh, like the Anton LaVey like version of Satanism. They don't even want to believe in a literal Satan. It's in a lot of like like the Wiccan um, aspects and the pagan aspects. It's not even like I'm overtly worshiping a devil figure. It's more like a worship of the self. I can create my own self-styled religion. Uh, and so this this idea, this stuff we see in the horror movies, you know, with the the underground tunnels and basements and the red robes and the daggers and the ritual mm -hmm. knives and what we're talking about there is for the most part it is generational satanism these are the people that are never going to advertise that they're in that you're not going to find bumper stickers on their car they're not going to dye their hair black and then paint their nails black and wear pentagrams there you'll never know uh, these are the people, quite frankly, that are showing up on Sunday mornings at your church in suits and teaching your kids Sunday school classes. Like, right. and that's just the fact. They're they're integrated into all of society. They have um, respectable jobs. They they come off like wonderful, nice people. They're never gonna, you know, show up in a, in a T-shirt advertising this. For the generational Satanists, these are you know, and this is um great if if you've got you know the time and the patience to read gary wayne's tome uh, the genesis 6 conspiracy which i have and uh, i love it the generational satanists are the bloodlines of these dragon courts that go all the way back thousands of years this goes all the way back into antiquity into antediluvian times this goes all the way back to cain uh, this goes all the way back to um, the the blood drinking cults of Kish and and Cain and and these these secret societies, um, the stuff that you hear about today, like the Scottish Rites and the Freemasons. These are all just modern renamed organizations that go all the way back to these these bloodlines, and um, these people understand the rituals. They understand the need for blood sacrifice. Mm -hmm. They can't they can't conjure the power that they need without blood sacrifice. And as we know from what little we've heard about adrenochrome, 
that this blood has to be adrenalized. So you can't just kill someone or you can't just like have them, you know, give them arsenic until they fall asleep and, you know, never wake up. This has to be a type of death that is uh, adrenalized. Uh, this also goes all the way back to uh, antediluvian blood drinking cults where uh, the the blood was it, it was um the elixir of life it was for immortality it was for um eternal life you know and and so unfortunately hollywood has so fictionalized and so romanticized mm -hmm. and and made this type of stuff into over-the-top entertainment that if you actually hear someone talking about it happening in the real world it just sounds ridiculous you know who in the world is really going to believe that this stuff is going on but so these generational uh families these generational satanists a lot of the the, the rituals and the sacrifices are coming from within their own group now that doesn't mean that they don't go out and find their sacrifices and things but uh, they are raised in this. They're trained up in this. They have entire um, breeding programs where they have a constant flow of, of sacrifices available to them. These are children that are not born in hospitals. They don't have social security numbers. They don't have birth certificates. There's no record of them. So no one's looking for them, that sort of a thing. And so um, this is is basically blood is the the currency that fuels this agenda you know when you talk about the beast system and the one world uh government and all this the the currency that pays for all of this is 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 basically blood and gold so they they definitely know what they're doing uh uh and there's definitely people being hurt through this and um <clears throat> a lot of the people that are are survivors of this so when we talk about sra it's satanic ritual abuse these are the children who were born and raised in these generational homes and they were exposed to all of these rituals and um physical sexual mental psychological abuse on every level and um there are ministries out there who are trying to expose this uh, the late Russ Dizdar, of course, Shatter the Darkness, and uh, he's got zillions of free training courses on his site that deal with everything from the Book of Acts to um, spiritual warfare, lots of spiritual warfare stuff. And he doesn't go into unnecessary grotesque details. Uh, his, his ministry was about healing and delivering people, not about just giving people a bunch of titillating horror stories to tell right uh and so right. uh tom dunn and through the black are are carrying on um hopefully that that torch of of russ and tom was you know a personal friend and mentee of of russ and uh through the black is still active and you can go to through the black 2 on youtube i believe and uh we have shows uh six nights a week monday through saturday at 11 p.m eastern on youtube most of the shows are live so you can get in on the live chat and chit chat and um we can be contacted if you are a survivor or if you need help or 
you know, you need questions or you want training. And we, uh, we have a conference coming up March 31st in, um, the Dayton, Ohio area. So if you go to the throughtheblack.com website, we'll be there. Um, Tom will be there. Greg Reed will be there. Anybody who knows Greg Reed, he is a member of the old guard. He was back there in the in the fray in the 1980s, um, fighting that. Um, a, a big reason why the satanic panic agenda had to happen is because Greg and, and others like him were exposing so much. They were making so much headway that the satanic panic uh, marketing scheme had to be rolled out so greg will be there uh the shatter ops team will be there that's russ's um team and uh i'll be there and uh we're there to do ministry there will be speakers but we're there to do ministries we're going to be doing freedom encounters at that conference uh, we're going to be praying with people and um if this is something you've experienced or you are suffering with or you've never been able to talk to anyone about this or you think people are going to think you're crazy uh, go to throughtheblack.com and um, check into that conference and come and we will be more than happy to speak with you, um, pray with you. We are, we're there for, for, the, for the SRA survivors. We, uh, we believe every victim and uh, we, we also understand that the only way we are going to overcome that agenda is if we learn to effectively love and pray for the perpetrators of this oh, wow. because a lot of the people that are that are perpetrating these rituals have been in it their whole life they were raised that way they were dedicated to satan in the womb they never had a chance there it's the only thing that they've ever known they've been controlled they, they've been taught from a, a small age that jesus is satan and satan is jesus and that jesus doesn't love you and um that satan is the one that's going to come and save the world and they believe these things they've never known any other way and so um we we will be victorious over this when uh we stop creating the negative energy for them to to keep to keep going you know they thrive on the fact that we're angry and we're mad and we're disgusted and those are proper responses to these things but um we we have to learn how to win this war through prayer and intercession if you're like me and you like to go camping hiking hunting um just be prepared in general then uh, I recommend you check out Squatch Survival Gear. Their packs are 100% made in America. Each component on the packs are American-made. It's a veteran-owned company out of Texas. Um, it's my buddy Chris. He started this out of personal experience. Um, in his military service, he, he fashioned these packs, you know, off of packs that he used that he had to modify to make them something that uh, is more more convenient, easier to carry, less of a load on your body, and the, let the pack do the work. They're amazing. I own two. I have the uh, the Rock Ape and the Mothman pack. I love them. They're the best bags I've ever had in my life. These bags are bomb-proof. I, I, I've never seen anything like it. Plus, they're comfortable. 
when I have them on, I can carry around, I can hike with 25, 30 pounds, and it, it doesn't strain my body. The pack does the work. Um, you have to see them for yourself. So go to squatchsurvivalgear.com to check them out. If you decide to, to purchase one of these bags, use my promo code. It's 23BUMP this year. Okay? It's 23BUMP. Use that promo code and it'll save you 15% site-wide. These, these are packs of all sizes. You know, if you want something, you know, small everyday carry, or if you want some kind of a uh, go bag, like a, I'm not coming home bag, he's got them. Check them out. SquatchSurvivalGear.com, promo code 23BUMP. Um, and I appreciate your ministry. I appreciate what you're, what you're doing. It's, um, you got to have, thick skin and you got to see the big picture and put your compassion above your your settled you know your settled feelings um I, absolutely I, yeah that's that's a that's the lord's work for sure yeah, yeah absolutely yeah just a, a word there too on the thick skin i have to tell you you know the first you know, 17, 18 years of my life, you know, kindergarten through, through high school in varying degrees, uh, you know, because I was born with this birth defect and I was constantly going to surgery. I don't have to have my surgeries over the summer, obviously, because it was when you had summer vacation. So I was usually, you know, recovering all summer and I would go back to, to school and I was usually still pretty banged up from those surgeries. So you're going back to school and in some cases, I still had stitches in my face and I would still be swollen or, you know, there'd be bloody cotton sewn to my nose or whatever. And and because of the nature of my dad's job, we moved a lot. So a lot of times uh, we were moving. And so I was starting a brand new school and I didn't know anybody. And so I had to keep starting over, you know, so everyone was like, what happened? And ew, gross and whatever. And depending on what age I was at, you know, there's a lot of bullying in, in uh, junior high, but then in high school, it wasn't so much bullying. It was more just being completely ignored or overlooked or, you know, the stares or the whispers or, or whatever. And I didn't understand as, uh, as a kid and as a teenager, I hadn't had enough life experience to understand that that was anything but just unfair. And by the time I got to college, I had this moment of realizing that I was extremely angry at God because he didn't have compassion on me and you know if he knit me together in my mother's womb why did he do that on purpose if he didn't have to and why didn't he shelter me from all of the people being so mean and all of the rejection and and so I didn't have the capacity as an 18 year old to figure all of that out and obviously looking at the world through very self-centered lenses like like the only way god can bless us is if we are popular and wonderful and loved and beautiful and rich and you know we, i had a very secular idea of what it should look like if god really loved me oh yeah uh, it was very much hey <laughs> you know but as kids we're all egocentric absolutely absolutely and so now I can look at it. Now, when I look at where he wanted me to be, where, what he called me to do, uh, what, what prepares you to have a thick skin more 
than basically being told for 18 years, you're ugly, you're gross, you're disgusting, you're not fun to be around, you're this, you're that. Because when, when God works you through that kind of healing, when he heals those spirits of rejection, and he, he brings you to victory over that, where all of those wounds have been healed and you recognize his sovereignty in that very specific cross that he fashioned just for me. It was just the right weight. You know, I always think about that, that silly Dr. Seuss book, Old Hat, New Hat. I loved that book as a kid. And I don't know why, but this kid, it was one of the Berenstein Bears. He goes in and he wants a new hat. And he tries on every hat in the whole place. And it's too big, too lumpy, too bumpy, too tall, too straight. You know, and, and every hat he's got an issue with. And then he tries one on. He goes, this one's just right. And he walks out with the same hat he came in with. And I always looked at that like that's how Christ chooses our cross. Uh, you know, there there's all these crosses we can bear in life. And when we get to those points where we're like, this one is way too heavy. I can't bear this cross why can't i have the cross my neighbor has or my best friend has like i could handle that i could so much handle being a child of divorce instead of this birth defect you know we think that 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 one's so much easier but if we really went into the the store and tried on all the other crosses we would probably wind up leaving with the same one we came in with we'd be like okay this one is it's got a nice little groove worn here and i'm used to it and so uh in retrospect now with those wounds healed and seeing how absolutely thick my skin is by way if if the worst thing that you can do is mock me or make fun of me been there done that like you are absolutely not going to get anywhere making fun of me it's just i'm so impervious to it i'm so desensitized to it and so what the lord was doing was kind of making sure that I had so much scar tissue around my heart that if you stab it, it's really not going to hurt that badly, <laughs> you know, and it's not, it's not that I can't be hurt, but all, all this to say that um, the, the, the ministries that he calls us for, you know, when we're scared or we think we're not good enough or we're convinced we were a coward. And one of the things that uh, when it became obvious to me that it actually was the Lord telling me to write this book, I was scared. I thought I'm not ready for this, that the enemy's going to attack me. I'm weak. I'm, I'm going to get clobbered. Spiritual warfare is going to come. My sleep paralysis is going to come back. And I was terrified. Hmm. And the, the two things that I, I felt that he was telling me is do not do what Moses did. Don't say send Aaron or I'm not a good speaker. Like, I know what I'm doing. And, and so I was like, okay, I won't do that. And then he said, by the time the book is published, you will be ready. You will have the confidence. And it took three years to get the book written, edited, published. And then because of COVID, there were all of these delays, oh, I'm sure. like shipping supplies and they couldn't get paper. And then the printer got hacked and, and the editor's computer went blue screen and like all these things happened. And every time you know, LA or the editor called me to like apologize for yet another delay. I was like, dude, it's totally cool because I knew it was the Lord saying, I know how much time I need to beat this fear out of her and, and have the confidence that, that she needs when it comes out. So everything that's happening to us, every delay, every calling, every, every word that we get from the Lord, like that, that he wants us to obey every piece of suffering we've been through 
every single bit of it, all things work together for good. There's not anything in there going all the way back to my birth, all the way back to why did you drop these stitches in the womb? When you were knitting me together, how can you let all these stitches drop? Everything goes all the way back to, to the day I was born was like every single bit of this was 100% necessary to, to bring me to this point. And so the reason I belabor all of that is, is I hope that every Christian or you know, non-Christian for that matter, I, I hope that everyone listening to this understands that this all applies to you as well. Uh, everything that God is doing, he's not being spiteful or mean. He's not trying to teach us a lesson. Uh, he knows every cut that needs to be made. I, I, like think about um, diamonds. You, you've got a lapidary who takes this big, huge, ugly diamond in the rough and he takes a blade to it. Same thing as, as the vine dresser in, in the book of John, chopping yes. off limbs with a chainsaw, that, that's going to hurt. Yes. And so yes. we have to understand that when the lapidary with a capital L grabs us and puts us under a laser beam or however they do it nowadays and starts chopping parts of us off and we're bleeding and it hurts not to mention there's parts of us falling off where we're like no i loved that part i didn't want yes. that part cut off that was part of me uh we have to just believe uh we have to trust the process that's the big phrase now right uh we have to understand that at the end of all of the cutting is going to be this absolutely beautiful blinding diamond and so we can't curse the lapidary along the way he knows what he's doing every cut uh is very beautifully planned for a purpose amen amen oh i love that uh i have so many people that go through my mind you know in my life and i know that that would benefit from hearing that um mm. you're you're absolutely right um, and you, you quoted one of my favorite scriptures too, you know, everything works out for the good. You know, I've had to remind myself of that. I can't tell you how many times <laughs> that it, it all, <laughs> just, just trust it, just let it go. You know? Yeah. It's, it's not my will, but yours be done Lord. Right. Yeah. 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 Well, and you know, it, it's so easy to spit this stuff out, you know, with dry eyes and to say, Oh, you know, this and that, but everybody, everybody who's in a human body understands that I'm able to say what I'm saying now, dry eyed and nonchalantly, because it was half a century of pain, yeah. heartache, mm -hmm. grief, disappointment. Uh, I did not get to the place I'm at now without tons and tons of pruning and chiseling. Uh, there, a, a good portion of my life has been sadness and confusion and and loss. And I think sometimes, you know, we we show up on these podcasts and we're we've got our A game and we're all polished and we've got our notes and we've got the thing. But you have to understand that you're seeing a little tip of an iceberg poking out of the water right now. And if you were to drain the swamp and see what what's under there, you would see. Uh, half a century of pain 
and, and heartache, just, just like in your life. And so, um, yeah, I was raised in a Christian home and I'm so glad that I was, but, uh, the, the conclusions that I come to and the things that I'm doing with my life now, it's not because I was raised in a Christian home or I went to Bible college and I got a degree in writing and Bible. Uh, this, this stuff that we're talking about today, it's the wisdom that comes through intimacy with the father. And that level of intimacy comes from quite frankly, none of the arms of the world want to wrap around me. And so we almost come to him sometimes in desperation because, you know, we, we come to him like, well, you're all I got. <laughs> but then <laughs> we, we realize later, you, you are all I need. You are all I want. And Amen. so, so we just have to understand that it's okay um, to be confused and distraught and sad and disappointed over our life. Like it's so okay. If our life is a big mess God loves making beauty out of ashes. So don't don't freak out if your whole life is a bunch of ashes right now. Um, he he does the opposite of what the world does to us. The world uh, chews us up and spits us out, and we leave this world a pile of ashes. And and God does the exact opposite. He starts with that pile of ashes, and he turns that into something beautiful. So um, don't worry with where you're at now, don't hyperanalyze right. what you've been through or how you've handled it. Um, he works all things together for good. I just, that's all I can tell you is the verse is true. That's it. <laughs> it's not, it it's not just poetry. <laughs> that's it. That's true. And you know, how many times I've, you know, I complain, I got a pretty good life now, you know, it, it took 40 years or whatever. Uh, yeah. But, you know, a lot of it is my outlook's different on life now yes. because yes. I've just accepted it. You know, when yep. you completely submit yourself to God, that's hard. Yes. That's hard. Yes. I'm still, I still buck up yeah. every once in a while, but you have to just submit, humble yourself. This is not, not, this is not even my life anymore. Uh, yeah. That, that's a hard part, but yes, everything works out for the good. Um, I I love how just open and vulnerable you are. It's like, <laughs> uh, I would not be surprised if you get you know some some emails or whatever people thanking you for this. This has been this has been just beautiful. Um, this one of my favorite interviews ever. I'll be honest with you. I'll be honest with you. Just so crazy. <laughs> uh, I, 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 we haven't even got to the topic yet. I don't, I don't think, you know, but, uh, <laughs> it's just been, uh, it's been good for me. You know, I, I, I don't know it. I think I needed this. I think I needed that, that hotspot to work on your computer just when it did, you know? Yeah. Good. Crazy. I was wrestling with this thing, praying over it. You know, when, you know, you're desperate when you're laying hands on, on your computer. Like, Jesus. <laughs> you are you are the power over the air not the <laughs> prince right oh man but yeah yeah well and it's well you know there's no end to uh we christians we can sit around all day long and talk about the nephilim and the giants and satan and lucifer and the book of enoch and you know hey get my book uh, you can you can read all about 
the Asclepions and the Serpent God of Healing and Astral Projection and Astral Vampires. And I mean, it's all in there, all the succubus, like you can get all your titillating <laughs> horror movie stuff in there. Um, but what it really comes down to is um, we were really put on earth to bring glory to the name of God. And I, I look at what how the bible defines meditation not all this eastern meditation that we're seeing you know where you're taking deep breaths and and slowing mm -hmm. your breathing and trying to get into an altered state of relaxation so that spirits can communicate with you uh in in the book of psalms almost every reference to meditation in the scriptures shows up in the psalms there's like three or four outliers that fall elsewhere uh, but David is the primary one in the Psalms that talked about meditation. And if you biblically look at that definition of meditation, it's a wide awake, sober minded, cerebral activity. It was a part of worship. He's going to meditate on all of God's works. He's going to meditate on on God's deeds. On uh, He's going to meditate on the law. He's going to meditate on God's power. And so I think we have to be really careful as Christians, because I do think that knowledge is important because my people perish for lack of it so it I, I think it's good that we understand genesis 6 and how crucial that is to understanding what's going on even in our world right now and where we're headed and so i'm certainly not going to um decry anyone that's reading the book of enoch and reading gary wayne's book and listening to Derek gilbert i mean these are all my buddies i i love this stuff right. uh but we right. have to be careful that if every time we're getting together with the body, we're talking about Nephilim and the dark shadow government and uh, they, 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 we're talking about what they are doing all the time. If what we're doing all day long is talking about the devil's works, the devil's power, the devil's agendas, we are actually meditating on Satan because that's what meditation means biblically. So we have to be careful that um, our knowledge, if our knowledge isn't leading to the glory of the name of God, the exposing of the deeds of the devil, setting captives free and bearing fruit in our own life, we have to reimagine how to exchange this knowledge with one another so that it, there's not a shift in who's getting the glory. Because the enemy is a pipsqueak. He's a clown. He's defeated. He is going to be destroyed by the breath of God in a moment. And the whole world is going to look at him and go, that's what we, that's what we were afraid of. So I, he, he, we, we need to understand our enemy. We need to know that we're in a war and this knowledge is important, but we have to be careful that we aren't meditating on this stuff. We're exposing it. And there's such a fine line in the human heart. It can be so titillating, the stuff that's going on out there. And wow. I have to constantly be asking myself, you know, why are you reading this book? Why are you studying this? And I have to constantly make sure my my motives are pure because the stuff is the most fascinating stuff in the world to read. I mean, this all of this knowledge coming out and being disclosed. So we just have to um, constantly be praying that prayer of David, you know, you know, um, where he's asking God to probe his heart. And is there any unclean thing in me? Like test and try me, oh Lord. Is there any, like anything impure in here in my motives? And to just go into our study with the ultimate goal of 
his name being glorified in all the earth. That's right. That's right. That's right. Man, this is just so good. Uh, yeah, everything for the glory of God. That, that's what that's what it all comes down to. That's what it's all about. That's the whole purpose of being here. Um, yeah, I feel sometimes like my audience. I don't know. I I got some bad emails. You know, I've mean, gotten some response that, you know, and I was like, man, did I did I hoodwink people? You know, when I I made a show about the unexplained and monsters and paranormal. You know, that's what the whole name of my show is. You know, that's what that's what the acronym stands for. And here oh. we get on here. And yeah, you know, that's what you know, it's it's the believers of the unexplained monsters and paranormal. Hmm. And you know, that's that's what the show has been. You know, I've had probably 60 Bigfoot encounters on here, uh alien abductions and uh you know, demonic experiences and all this stuff. But from day one, you know, in my in my horribly recorded first episode you know three oh, years no. ago i said you know i'm a christian and my mic was so bad it was actually it was my phone i was talking into the bottom of my phone and it was just so horrible you know and it's like i screamed that you know i'm a christian you know <laughs> but yeah and then I, I didn't talk about it a whole lot until about a year and a half ago mm. everything started clicking like i keep hearing these stories uh you know this dogman experience went away when they rebuked it in the name of Jesus. That's kind of weird. Uh, this, this alien abduction stopped and they woke up in their bed when they rebuked it in the name of Jesus. That's kind of weird. You yeah. know, and all, all of these things are responding. I'm like, oh boy, you know, it's mm -hmm. been right here in front of me. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, you know, my show is more and more and more about the Lord. Mm. Um, and I, I don't mean to lose my audience or or, you know, switch horses midstream or anything like that. <laughs> but, you know, it's just where it's led me. You know, and yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to be obedient. Yeah. I, I went about 15 years doing what Bo wanted to do. That was a horrible idea. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? Was, yeah. So the rest yeah. of my life, I'm, I'm obeying. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, and I, I mean, maybe, maybe this is simple minded, but this is just further evidence how far removed Christians have become, have come um, with the supernatural aspects of the scriptures, yes. because there is so much unexplainable supernatural stuff going on in the scripture that we don't even see anymore because we're so divorced from the culture, the context, the history, the language and the geography of the original manuscripts that you sit there and like you and I can talk about this stuff. And, and then some people are going to walk away thinking like, well, there was nothing supernatural about that. And it's like, I'm telling you that everything we've been talking about here is mind. We are talking about an unfathomable God. And so if you've lost the ability to be in awe over discussions of, of who God is and how he's going to come back and claim He's going to claim his kingdom. That's what Christianity is. Jesus coming back and ripping the scepter of power from the enemy and ruling this planet. Yes. I, if that's not supernatural enough for you, and you want to talk about big hairy creatures that like walk through the, the woods and eat donuts, that that's fine. I like <laughs> a good Bigfoot discussion too, but you, you just don't get any more supernatural than the God of the universe 
putting himself into the form of a baby, raising himself from the dead and coming back on a war horse to kick butt. Like, I just don't, it, it does not get more exciting than that. I know. I made, it made my heart flutter. You just, <laughs> <laughs> I want to buy your book tonight. I'm not, I'm not lying. It's, it's tonight. I'm getting it. Because I was on Amazon. I was like, I don't see it. I know she's got a book. I see the cover of it online. I just don't. Okay. L.A. Zuli. L.A.Marzuli.net. L.A. Zuli. Listen at me. I'm excited. Zuli. <laughs> All right. About your book. About your book. Um, that was a beautiful hour and a half or so long tangent. Oh, uh, man. I'm it. sorry. But. No. Oh. <laughs> you know you gotta you gotta put god first right i think the shadow people are somewhat anticlimactic after all of that <laughs> yes god is coming back on his war horse and they're shadow people you know we got these guys peeking in the doorway these guys that are too scared to even show their face they have to, <laughs> they, have to they have to bully you while you're half asleep and can't defend yourself you know <laughs> um, but, but okay I'm I know I have like adult onset ADHD according to my wife, but I got one more, one more <laughs> tangent before. Okay, uh, go for it. Talking about things, uh, you know, all these trials and tribulations that we go through, these things that we face in this world, in this country especially, we are so much like the Israelites. You know, I, I thought about this the other day. Um, we were having a Bible study. You know, it's like Moses. You know, they're, they're led out of Egypt. They have God with them as the sun and the, the cloud and you know, the fire and the cloud. You know, everything's good. And they just complain. They just complain. Did you bring us all the way out here for us to die beside this sea? You know, and then God parts the sea and they get across and they're like, did you bring us all the way out here for us not to have anything to eat? So he oh, gives a man like, do we not have any meat around here? You know, so he gives them the quails or whatever. And they're like, well, now we're thirsty. You know, it's like mm -hmm. everybody wants things to be perfect. Mm -hmm. Not everything that is a, a hiccup, you know, getting a flat tire is not necessarily the devil out to get you. <laughs> you know right. what I mean? Right, right. Sometimes it's, you know, we, we can just have life. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, we need to quit trying to be pulling or wind up being like the israelites it's just yeah. constant complaining we're not seeing the gifts that god's laying out in front of us we're not yeah. claiming it we just find the one thing that we can complain about yeah 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 that's something we're gonna be very mindful of you know to it's just that ungrateful yes childish the behavior the grumbling yeah you know an interesting thing and again this is where we're divorced from the context of the scriptures in chapter four of my book i i talk about astral vampires and threshold covenants and i go way into detail about threshold covenants uh they're all over scripture but they're all over antiquity like uh it they they were practiced all over the world up until the mid 1800s uh uh h h h clay trumbull has written and i think the best book on threshold covenants which i read in its entirety as research for that chapter but uh, one of the things I'll say is that the threshold uh, in in antiquity was the altar of the home. And so that's where the animals were, of course, sacrificed. And, and it had to do with hospitality rituals. When you had people over, you'd slaughter the animal. And 
it was a it was a covenant of loyalty that uh, when you step over the threshold with the blood on it, it means as long as you're in my tent, you have all of the protection of like an adopted blood relative in my home. I will die for you. I'll feed you. I'll protect you. And so these threshold covenants were extremely binding and serious. You didn't break one of these threshold covenants or you'd bring shame upon your whole family. You might be put to death. You might put yourself to death because you'd be shunned. Very serious, unbreakable blood covenants, these threshold covenants. And that's really plays heavily into sleep paralysis. It's why a lot of times these shadow people show up at your bedroom door. Uh, they're looking for that covenant uh, and you're declaring the God of your household at those thresholds. It's the altar of the home. And so without going into uh, unnecessary detail there, it's interesting tying into what you're saying about the grumbling. There are verses in the Old Testament that say that the people were standing in the doorways of their homes grumbling. And the reason why this was so offensive to God, it wasn't just that they were complaining and that they were ungrateful. It was they were standing in the altar of their home where that that was a, a sacred place in the home where they made covenants with Yahweh. And that is where they chose to stand to shake their fist at him. The reason they were standing in their doorways is they were actually putting their God on trial. They were actually standing at the altar of their home saying, how could you do this to us? You let us down. We're going to starve to death out here. They were, they were declaring that at the altar of the home. And so these threshold covenants are extremely vital in understanding not only salvation and not only redemptive history and and in covenant theology but they're crucial in understanding how we get bound into covenants with the enemy mm. because we're letting him over the threshold and that's why mm. the chapter also talks about astral vampires because we know from vampire lore that when a vampire is invited over the threshold then it has permission right. uh, and so as long as you you know, keep it back. And so these things, just like the serpent in the garden, they have ways of duping us into allowing them over the threshold. And that can be bringing sin into the home. It can also be exorbitant amounts of fear during those sleep paralysis experiences. It can, it can be done in the astral, all, all of these things, but they, the entities understand mm -hmm. that they have to make that covenant at the door. They need that permission. Um, we see this in Revelation 3.20. Jesus said, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I'll come in. So uh, there is this unwritten rule between the spiritual realm and the terrestrial realm that that enemies are, are not enemies, but that, that spiritual entities have to have permission. Mm -hmm. And the difference between Jesus Christ is if he knocks at the door and you don't let him in, he'll walk away. Now he might come back and try again, but he'll, he'll, he'll walk away. Whereas the enemy we know from, from the book of John, if anyone enters through any other way, but the front gate, they're a thief and a liar. And that's what a lot of these sleep paralysis entities are doing. They can't get in through the front gate. So they're finding these ways to maneuver their way over the threshold. And so 
for Christians especially, they're doing it when we're half asleep, when we think this is inconsequential because it's just a dream. So our guards are down. We're not fighting sober-minded, vigilant battles because we're it's just a dream. And it's just one of the ways that they can they can get that entrance. But what's frightening is if they do get over the threshold, you're actually in covenant with them. Uh, and so I, I talk about that more in, in the book and in other podcasts and things that I've done, but uh, it, is, it is crucial to understand uh, that these things that are showing up, tormenting us, they're actually duping us into covenanting with them. Yes. And yes. I I don't want to I, I don't want to go get off on a tangent this this late into it because um there's so much more I could say um just on what's going on here and and the links to Song of Solomon 5 too with the with the bride who was asleep but her heart was awake and and with the Tamian chamber and and the 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 links between the betrothal covenants and the threshold covenants and 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 all of that it's it's all tied in uh, it's kind of, for me, it was another Gen 6 moment. Like so much came into clarity when I realized like, oh, the, the watchers came down. And now I understand. Um, understanding the threshold covenants. And there, there's three of them. There's a blood covenant, a threshold covenant, and a salt covenant. And they all kind of work um, similarly. And once you understand the significance of these threshold covenants, the entire Bible comes alive because you see that it's all over the Old and New Testament, these covenants. Hey, let me ask you, did you say salt covenant? Salt, yep, yep. So salt, like, um, it's like a stand-in for a blood covenant. As, as we became more and more civilized, you, we couldn't be slaughtering animals all over the place. And Blood and salt are two components of life. You know, it uh, the the salt and sodium content and the blood content in our body. It's both um, symbolic of life, and so you're pledging on your life. And so the salt became more of a stand-in. Uh, the salt covenant is amazing. It was done all throughout history, and the way that they would do it is by breaking bread together because that, that would be the carrier of the salt because no one wants to eat a teaspoon of salt. And so that's why there's so much stuff in scripture about breaking bread together. Don't break bread with an unbeliever. I am the bread of life. The table is show bread because it's a salt covenant. It's a binding covenant. When Jesus said, I will never leave you or forsake you. I'm going there to prepare a place for you while he's breaking bread with his disciples. That was part, that's part of the promise of a salt covenant. I will never leave you or forsake you, which is why when Judas broke that covenant, because he dipped it in the dish and he ate it, he partook in that salt covenant and he broke it because he said, I will, he was in essence promising back to Jesus, I will never leave you or forsake you. Oh. And then he eats it. And then Jesus is like, go do what you're about to do. And he goes and he breaks the salt covenant. Yeah. And, uh, even da Vinci knew this. If you look at the famous uh, Last Supper painting, Judas is the guy grabbing the, the money, the, the sack of, of silver, right? And right by his forearm on the table is a, is a, is a little jar of salt tipped over and the salt is spilled on the table Why? because he broke, he broke the salt covenant. 
Okay. I'll never leave you. Jesus said, I'll never leave you or forsake you. And when they took that bread that he dipped in and shared it with him, they were saying, I will never leave you and forsake you. And um, Judas did that knowing what he was about to do. Oh, man. Let me ask you a question that might sound stupid, but I have a very, a very good reason for asking it. Um, sure. Okay. Salt. Is there any other way that they would they would display that or share that other than in bread? Um, yes. Would they would they display salt in any particular ways? Um, yes. Yes. Because uh, just directly, I found in a very familiar location. I found a a bag i guess you would say of salt over a doorway yep oh gosh yep yep this is where we get some misinformation okay if you google i have you know paranormal activity in my house you know there's all of the uh secular ways to handle that which are actually just ways create an invitation it doesn't get rid of them so the saging and bringing the mediums in to summon the demons if there's someone here speak to me now that's the invitation because now you've just invited them in because you've summoned them mm. they tell you that a way to protect your house is to lay salt across the threshold because that will break it and you'll see it in horror movies and where they're doing cult rituals where they'll do a circle of salt and then they'll be within it you know and that's going to protect them it's actually the opposite in in scripture they would lay salt across the threshold and when when their guests would cross over the threshold it was the same as a blood covenant it was the same as the blood the, the blood threshold uh so if someone steps over your threshold and there's salt laid down on it you're actually covenanting with them. You're, it's not sending them away. It's you're, you're covenanting with them. I will never leave you or forsake you. You are under my protection. Okay. We're betrothed. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cause I, f I found a, uh, a bag or a little bag or I, uh, some kind of little vessel, you know, it's kind of a little plastic baggy type thing mm -hmm. of salt but it was like nailed or tacked above a doorway. Mm, mm -hmm. um, and the, the person got pretty upset with me when I took it down. Mm, I yeah. wasn't sure what it was. Yes. Was like, I'm not, I, I can't be around this. <laughs> and, mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So there's still people that will do that thinking that it's a protection. Okay. And, I I would say that I know that that's been in the folklore for a very, very, very long time. But even like a dream catcher, it's like, oh, it's going to catch all the bad dreams. Well, yeah, but how do you know that hanging that over your your bed isn't first summoning it and then right. attracting it? So I think we just have to be careful. I mean, especially with our traditions. And I'm not I'm not knocking one religion here, Christianity, too. We all have traditions right. that fall outside of the Bible that are are actually attracting these spirits. 
more than protecting us from them. Mm. And I won't say them online. They're so staggeringly offensive to people when you start knocking down the sacred cows. But there are things that are are done in the church today that are considered to be wonderful, beautiful, God honoring things that I will tell you flat out, you are you are worshiping demons doing it. So oh. I I don't want anybody out there thinking, oh, she's knocking new age. She's knocking Buddhism. She's knocking Native American, you know, traditions. I'm knocking everybody. Everybody on planet Earth has has a religious system that is that you know, the water in the well has been poisoned. You know, I, I agree with that. We got to get away from tradition that we um, and get to the word, you know, just keep it simple. Yeah. It, it, it really yep. is way simpler than what some people try to make it. It is. <laughs> Until we start adding regulations and rules and we, we allow this, and we, but we don't believe in that. It's just putting a, a tighter and tighter box on God. And yep. That's yep. not a smart we're, thing. We're, do- do. we're doing the same things. Like It's so easy to like read the New Testament and say like, oh man, the religious leaders added so much to the law and they added all these extra rules like we haven't done that and even and even if we haven't like enforced it it's it's like this it's just this system of shaming like you know if you walk into a church and you're doing a certain thing or not doing a certain thing you know you're going to be shunned in one way or another you know but it's like you know like i i still remember one time i was working with a a co-worker i was working at a christian ministry and um one of the guys there that was very brilliant and gone to seminary and all this and he's like um you know nowhere in scripture does it say before you eat a meal you have to pray and thank god for the food and i was like what like i was like mortified like blasphemy you know (laughs) and (laughs) and but the more i thought about it like yeah of course and i'm not saying there's anything wrong with that of course we should be grateful for our food and especially in this day and age with all the gmos you should probably be praying for your food but but the fact of the matter is we've we've we judge other believers oh, you don't pray for your food in a restaurant or like, oh, you forgot to pray. And like, we shame each other. Like we've done something horrible. And it's the same thing as when the Pharisees said to Jesus, like, oh, you didn't do the ritual washing before you ate your food or how come right. you don't fast, you know? And oh, we're doing the same exact thing. You know, we've created all these little things. And if you don't do it, you're looked down upon <laughs> as somehow being unspiritual. And it's like, well, <laughs> there really isn't a mandate in in the Torah for that one. <laughs> right yeah yeah you're right you're right we are just as bad now just as guilty we're probably worse Uh, ridiculous yeah because i mean we we uh, one side of our mouth we're talking about we got the new covenant and then on the other side we're like oh but you didn't follow these rules that we just made up (laughs) i know i know you know i always tell people like i love the fact that there's still Bereans out there. There are Christians out there that are just trying to be good Bereans. And, and so I appreciate that. And I appreciate the questions and let's ask for clarity. And let's say, what in the world did you mean by that? Or, hey, what's the chapter and verse for that? I think there's a place for that. Oh, yeah. We're called to be good Bereans. Uh, I think, un- unfortunately, what happens sometimes is our tone and our presentation are not always great. <laughs> yeah (laughs) especially if 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 it steps on your toes a little bit then you you come back with a little bit of sass instead instead of just you know what i mean yeah 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 Um, (laughs) 
Okay. Where can people find your book? Let's get all that out again. And I I know you have something else going on tonight. And I probably need to leave you at least enough time to eat something before <laughs> before you do your other show. <laughs> um, so if we can go over your book, if you want to talk about anything like uh, any highlights or anything that you want to make sure people know about it so they can go find it and where they can find you on social media, you know, you know, the usual yeah. wrap up stuff. Uh, Sure, absolutely. Thank you. So the book is They Only Come Out at Night, Exposing the Dark Weapon of Sleep Paralysis. It is available exclusively on lamarzuli.net. My website is vickijoyanderson.com. That's V-I-C-K-I-J-O-I-A-N-D-E-R-S-O-N.com. And on my website, there's a contact page. You can send me an email. And you can also go to the media tab and all the podcasts I've been on are there. So if you want to get into more of the media stuff, like the shadow people and the nitty gritty of the astral realm and astral projection and, and all that, um, there's plenty of other shows out there. I try as best as I can, though, not to repeat the same things every show. So, you know, the, some of the things I'll, I'll say over and over again, but um, for the most part, I try to have original content so that someone's not listening to the same thing over and over and over again. So there's a lot of stuff there. Um, I'm Vicki Joy author on Instagram. Uh, so go follow me there and you can DM me there if that's easier for you than, than the website. Um, through the black, you can, you can find me, um, four, four of the six nights I'm on with Tom on through the black two on YouTube and uh, I write for realdarknews.com. That's an adjunct of Through the Black. Real Dark News is like the, the news magazine associated with Through the Black. So I'm, I write under the, the pseudonym VJ, V-E-E-J-A-Y, on realdarknews.com. I also write for uh, Ellie Marzulli's monthly magazine. It's an online magazine, PP&S Report, which is Politics, Prophecy, and the Supernatural. I believe that's a subscription one, though. If you go to LA's site, I think it's like 24 bucks a year or something, and it's it's 12 issues and lots of great writers there. Um, LA writes an article every month, and um, uh, yeah, it's all good, fringy biblical stuff. Uh, um, so I think that's pretty much uh, everything that I've got going. I always feel like I'm forgetting something, but yeah, I love to hear from people. I, I if if people want to talk about their experiences uh, or they've never had anyone to talk to, um, I do phone calls if people want to talk and, um, you know, talk about their experience or they're, you know, trying to figure this out or, you know, they've got a kid who's just started having sleep paralysis, anything like that. I'm available. That's part of my ministry. And I don't charge for that. I don't have any expect expectation of tips and donations. I, that's something that I just enjoy doing. So I think that's I think that's about everything. Awesome. Awesome. And I want to ask you while, you know, I have you on the air, would you please come back on? Absolutely. Uh, Absolutely. Okay. I, I um, want to get you back. Um, I want to, I'm going to, I'm getting the book tonight. I'm ordering it tonight. So whenever it gets here, I'm going to burn through it. Uh, I love, I love this stuff. I want to, I want to tackle some specific topics with you. You know, I got some absolutely. specific topics already. I want to discuss with you, but. Okay. I will refrain a little bit. Um, one final question for me. I should have asked this at the top, but it, this is very 
selfish question too. It has nothing to do with anybody that's listening to the show at all. <laughs> I had on your Instagram, you had posted um, that you were doing like a breakdown of an audio slave song. Yes. And then I go to YouTube and I can't find this. Yes. And you're like, oh, well, something happened. And I was just like, this is killing me. Because yeah. <laughs> you know, audio yeah. slave when oh, I listened to secular it. music, it was they were the beginning and the end for me. That was right. it. I, I don't died, it. I turned my back on secular music completely and just went yeah. straight into the Lord. But <laughs> I, I don't always listen to secular music, but when I do, it's <laughs> so yes. uh, so on every Friday night on the through the black channel, we have a show called Audiotopsy, and Tom Dunn and I do it along with Kenny C. Uh, check out uh, The Rock with Kenny C. He's on Facebook, and he is a killer guitar player. Awesome testimony. This guy shreds. He, like, puts Steve I to shame. He's amazing brother in Christ. So um, every Friday night, we do Audiotopsy, and it's not a reaction show. We do presupp presuppositional analysis on song lyrics. And so we pick songs not based on whether or not they have a Christian message or not, but based upon whether there's anything spiritual or philosophical to chat about or, or songs where it's like do you know what this is about like I'll, I'll give you a great example we did love walks in by van halen once because everybody thinks it's a love song it's actually about an alien encounter it's about an alien abduction um it's about sammy hagar's alien abduction experiences and so we just like to do things like that we just did pink floyd's time off dark side of the moon but occasionally youtube knocks us off because we've violated some copyright or our clips were too long or something like that so yeah. the audio slave one which is like a stone is on rumble so if you go to the through the black channel on rumble you can watch that one mm. Mm. you're not going to give me nothing about it yeah <laughs> okay i'll go to rumble it's an amazing song the video <laughs> looks very anticlimactic they're all just sitting in this house like just singing it live but here's a little fun fact the video is shot in Jimi hendrix's house that's why they're in that that setting oh, yeah. so yeah okay. so yeah like a stone uh obviously very um i'm always interested in non-believers perceptions of death and the afterlife Mm -hmm. and that's what the whole song like a stone is about and he even kind of quotes one portion of like psalm 27 like in your house i long to be yes. but but then the whole song just spirals down to like you know i'll i'll pray to uh, like a pagan to any god who will yeah. hear me will take me to heaven and and it's just um no one explains the confusion of the world better than someone who doesn't have biblical truth. And so that's really what we try to do with audio topsy. We, we have to explain in every episode because people still don't get it. We're not advocating like go out and buy this album. It's the best album. What we're, what we're trying to do is analyze the lyrics um, for, for any opportunity that presents itself to where we can, we can teach the gospel out of it. And how we can explain to people like, hey, do you like this song? Do you know what that song's about? Do you know what's wrong with that song? Do you know what's biblically incorrect about that song? And we're really hoping to connect with 
non-Christians. And unfortunately, most of our audience is Christians and they, they don't always quite get what we're trying to do with the show. And so there's always those, why are you glorifying the secular music? And it's like, well, we're, we're pretty much ripping it to pieces. So <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> right. oh. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, but it's a really fun show and it's cool having, um, it's cool the way it's set up because Tom is a filmmaker and Kenny is a musician and I'm a writer. And so you've got these three creative arts representations. So you're breaking down a song based on cinematic, musical and lyrical content. Yeah. It's really cool getting the different perspectives. It's a lot of fun. And Chris Cornell happens to be the best singer songwriter lyricist of my generation. So I mean, <laughs> I love him. Uh, <laughs> yeah. He didn't commit suicide. I'll, I'll I will stand on that. No, for the day absolutely. I die. Absolutely um, not. Which uh, hunger strike? I was listening. I listened to the lyrics of Hunger Strike. Okay. It sounds a lot more now that I'm in this this space. It sounds a lot more about um, exposing child trafficking, child sacrifice to the end. Mm. Um, yeah. yeah. There there are a lot of biblically confused, but biblical references, especially in the first Audio Slave album. Yes, um, Light My Way, Show Me How to Live. Those are like... Live. Even, even Set It Off, which... Yeah has profanity in the course i'll just warn you he drops the f-bomb but he's talking about at the cross he's telling his disciples to like set it off like in other words like start this global revolution you know yeah. and again, he's not a christian i mean he's not obviously he he didn't get it completely but here is a guy that is extremely philosophical at his core, and he's not outruling the Bible and Jesus. He he's always mixing that in as a consideration, which a lot of people now it's like they throw that out. Like you know, Christianity is dead and outdated and outmoded, and Jesus you know was a madman or whatever. And so I just really, as a Christian, appreciate the fact that there was a, a deep thinker out there who was still willing, even though I don't know that he ever got it figured out. He was willing to consider that that was a valid um, option to to ponder. Yeah, and I I just I hope that he had a somebody got to got to him. I hope somebody got I to know. talk to him. And I know. Uh, or maybe he's still alive. No, don't tease me. <laughs> don't okay. tease me. I will quit my job and go look for that man. We will go find him. Finding right. Chris Cornell. It's our new documentary. That's right. <laughs> oh, well, Vicky Joy, thank you so much for this. I'm sorry that I didn't take this. I told you, I was like, I'll just shut up and let you talk. And then I'm like. <laughs> no, no, I'm so glad you did. It, it, no one wants to hear me fire hosing them for two hours. <laughs> <laughs> well, next time we're going to get into some very specific stuff. I, Cool. I'll put the mute button on if I have to. I'll I'll shut up. <laughs> All right. Not necessary. <laughs> but thank you so much. You're okay. welcome. Thank you. Have, I hope you have a wonderful night. I will message you on Instagram and we'll line something up, okay? Sounds great. All right. God bless and have a good night. Thanks, Paul. That's it for this week, guys. Thanks for listening. If you want more content, if you want to submit your own story to be on the show. If you want to listen to past episodes 
or if you want to donate to the show, you can do all of that through thebumppodcast.com. So just go there, uh, explore the website, check it all out. If you want to sign up to be a member, it's super cheap. It's just $1.75 a week. You can cancel it anytime. Get in on uh, all the, the new, latest, and greatest stuff we have going on. All right, so again, thanks for listening. I love you. God bless. Who is that yonder in the distance with his garment white and snow with a voice that sounds like thunder walking on the street of gold his appears is like lightning sitting high upon his throne has ten thousand times ten thousand saying we finally made it home glory glory hallelujah praise the land forevermore praise the holy name of jesus bless the lord oh my soul in that city there's a river flowing from God's holy throne where the tree of life is blooming where the head has not been fooled no more tears in that bright city death will have to flee away no more sickness no more heartaches in that land a perfect day glory glory hallelujah praise the Lord. Seated with the saints of old With their troubles far behind them To never suffer anymore I'm going home in the morning To that streets of gold with Jesus in that city built for square glory glory hallelujah praise the Lord
bless the Lord, O my soul. If you're personally ready to submit your life to God and accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, the book of Romans, chapter 10, verse 9, says it really simply, that if you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It's that simple. To be born again, to start a new life as a child of God, to join God's army, to rise up against the evil forces that you know are all around you. You don't have to do it alone. I love you. Jesus loves you. And may God bless you.
come on up to this altar and take it to the Lord in prayer. Come on up to this altar and fall down on your knees and pray. Ask the Lord to forgive you and you'll be Come on up to this altar and fall down on your knees and pray. And ask the Lord to forgive you and you'll be better day